We do serve a great God, do we not? And uh, I am just, uh, I am just literally amazed uh, every single week just to see what God is doing uh, in our lives, how he's working in your life, and uh, what the Lord is going to continue to do uh, in our life. And I, I think we need to constantly remind ourselves um, about that God is for us and he's not against us. And knowing that, knowing that Christ is for us, that he wants us to succeed, he wants us to experience uh, his grace and his mercy in, in just a, an amazing way, um, it just gives so many of us hope knowing uh, what the Lord is doing uh, in our lives. But uh, this morning we're going to be looking at, uh, again, the words of Jesus and what Christ is trying to get across for us in our lives. And this is a hard one because this is, uh, this is Christ's Sermon on the Mount. And he comes to a point in his sermon and he says very bluntly, stop killing. Um, and many of us are familiar with the words of Christ as he says, uh, you know, you've heard it's been said, you're not supposed to murder. And all of us in our minds, we check mark that, we say, yep, we got that one. I haven't been killing anybody. But the Lord takes it down uh, to us a little bit further. And uh, we're going to look at that here this morning about stop killing. Um, we've been looking at these series of things that Christ has commanded us to do. And we've already looked at his authority, that Christ has all authority and power to command these things uh, in our life because he is God. He is the final authority on things. Uh, he told us to, we are supposed to be living by the word. He told us that we are supposed to be repenting and following him. Uh, last week we looked at that we are supposed to be salt and we're supposed to be light. And today we're going to look at stop killing in Matthew chapter number five. So let's have a word of prayer and then uh, we'll, we'll jump into this, uh, to the scriptures here, Matthew five. Father, do thank you for uh, just your goodness. And um, Lord, as we consider your word this morning um, about to stop killing, um, help us to take the scriptures and apply them to our hearts um, because, Father, we need your guidance. We need your help on learning how to live out uh, the Christian life in this world that you've placed us in. Help us with uh, grace and mercy to exercise love and forgiveness towards others. Help us to remember that um, it was you uh, that you gave your son Jesus and you, he was sent here and he was put on a cross because of our sin. Um, it, was, it was a free act of grace that you willingly gave your son uh, for that. And help us to always reflect upon that and to know that all of us here are sinners. All of us here have done wrong, that we've uh, profaned your word. We've, we've strayed away from it. And help us to get back to uh, the right type of living. Help us to get back to your word and, and exercise uh, your word in our life. We're so grateful for uh, your mercy and your grace in our lives. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. 
So Matthew chapter number five here, uh, we're going to begin looking here at uh, verse 21. And uh, the Bible says here, uh, Jesus is speaking the Sermon on the Mount. And basically his first point of the sermon here, he says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And he continues on here in verse 23. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly, he says, with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Now upon first glance of these few words of Christ, we're struck hard with this saying that you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable, will be subject to judgment. That is a true saying of Christ. And he commands us and says, do not murder. Now, I don't think anybody in here, hopefully not, has it in their mind that when they leave here, they're going to say, all right, I'm going to go murder somebody. If you do, please come forward. We'll pray for you, okay? <laughs> but the idea here is Christ is saying, you have heard, don't murder. Which, of course, Christ is bringing us back to what the Old Testament law says, and he quotes from the Sixth Commandment, thou shalt not murder. We here in 2016 have heard it said many times that murder is wrong, and it is wrong, it still is wrong, it will continually be wrong, no matter who is in the White House, murder is wrong. That was my political quote for today. <laughs> But murder is wrong, okay? But Christ here gives a little bit further and reveals the issue at hand. It's not the, so much the act of murder as it is the heart attitude of murder. Can you imagine the scene here? Christ is preaching to these people. They're sitting, they're listening. And he says, you've heard, it was said long time ago, that you're not supposed to murder. And I guarantee you there are probably people sitting there and saying, oh yeah, Jesus, we got that covered. We don't participate in that whatsoever. We're good to go on that one. But have you ever said, you idiot, you moron, I hate you, you're worthless, you're stupid, I wish you were dead. Many times in my own life, I have spoken those same words. 
And sad to say, by speaking those words, those hurtful, damaging words, I have been guilty of breaking God's commandment and dismissing such actions by saying things like, well, you know, I was just kidding. I didn't really mean it. I, I just kind of got upset in the moment. I just kind of blew my top. I really didn't mean to say those things. But the truth is, when we try to make it kind of like not such a big deal, God says it is a big deal. Because although you may have not actually physically murdered somebody, you have committed character assassination on somebody and you have murdered them in character. In fact, it's such a big deal that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his first point here, stop killing. You know, I'm sure the people, the hearers going, yeah, I don't kill anybody. Maybe there's somebody in here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ. It's funny when we talk to people about Christ and we try to show them that they have sinned before God, usually the first thing that comes out of their mouth is says, well, I haven't killed anybody. I'm not such a bad person. But Jesus tries to draw our attention to the heart issue. It's an issue of the heart. Jesus said it himself. He says, out of the heart proceeds murders. <laughs> he says, adulteries, all of these things come out of the heart of man. And so it is a big deal to God. So Jesus says here, basically, look, here is the law. You are not supposed to murder. But I like this. He shifts gears and he tries to bring it into a broader picture. Look at verse number 17. Jesus says this. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. If you like to take notes and highlight things in your Bible, circle that word fulfill. Basically, Christ is saying, I am affirming everything that God has said. But what I want to do now is I want to give you a broader picture. I basically want to fulfill the whole meaning of that law. That is, I'm making it full of meaning. He's giving insight to the original purpose of the law. He says, I'm going to take you to the very heart of the law, the reason behind the law of why you should not kill, to show you how you can live this out in its deepest meaning. So let's explore this full meaning of stop killing. And I think we shouldn't kill. We shouldn't murder. We shouldn't hurt people with damaging words and hurtful words. And Christ here gives us some things about that. So let's take notice here. Number one, the danger of anger. The danger of anger. Now, I don't know about you. Some of us are, have a, what we would call a short fuse. Some of us work really well under pressure. My wife tells me I am not one that works well under pressure. I get in a hurry and accidents begin to happen, okay? I remember one time uh, we were on our house, by the way, we're closing on Tuesday, um, but our house, um, there was a set of basement stairs that went down and there's some walls that go up and our house, uh, it was made out of plaster, has plaster walls. So I was replastering this area where the basement stairs were, and I had to get one of those crazy ladders that bends all kinds of ways and stuff. Now, if you ever work with plaster, it hardens up very quickly. So you have a workability time, you have a small window to work with it. So I'm over there, 
and I am hurrying, and what do I end up doing? I end up slipping on some plaster that's on the steps. I fall, I hurt my back, you know, it's not a good thing. But some of us have a short fuse when it comes to anger. Some of us are able to work well under pressure. But there is a danger, Christ says, that is in anger. And the danger is that we will say something that will be a murderous action against somebody's character. So it's very important to watch what we say. In fact, the book of James tells us that our tongues are set on fire from hell. Basically, they're an unruly evil. They have the ability to destroy and to curse. And so Christ says there is a danger in our anger. Notice what he says here. He says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you should not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Okay? That is man's court. If you commit murder, you will be taken to man's court and you will be held accountable for your actions. But notice this. Jesus says, I'm going to take it past man's court. And he says, but I say to you, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Now, will any court here in America fine you or put you in prison for being angry at your neighbor? I mean, can you get a lawyer and say, my, my neighbor is angry with me. I want him put in prison. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. But God's word says that you'll be subject to judgment. This is referring to God's court. And he says again, notice this, anyone who says to a brother or a sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the hell, the fire of hell. So there is a great danger in anger. What is that danger? The fire of hell. I mean, this is such a serious offense before God that he says, these things are capable of sending somebody to hell. Now, thankfully, Christ, who came, he bled on the cross, he died for our sins, he makes salvation free for anybody who is willing to accept. Whosoever will may come, Jesus says. But there is a danger in anger. So it's important to understand that. This is not just some kind of flippant saying that Christ just put out there and was just like, yeah, you're not supposed to murder anybody. This is serious before God because it involves judgment and involves the danger of the fire of hell. So here's a good test, the ultimate test. Are you angry with your brother? Are you angry with your sister? The question that was probing the hearts of the listeners that day still speaks to us today. Are you angry with somebody? Am I angry at someone? Have I allowed my anger to bring me into a place of breaking the sixth commandment? The truth is, all of us are guilty of breaking this commandment. All of us in here, one time or another, have been angry with someone. We have said something, we have done something that has gone against God's commandment, and we've broken His commandment, and we've been angry at someone. 
So there is a great danger in this anger. Jesus plainly states that the root of murder is anger. Anger is so offensive in the laws and the court of God that we will go to hell for it, Jesus says. So it's important for us to look at this and say, okay, am I right now angry with somebody? Is there, a heart, is there, a, is there an attitude of anger in my heart right now? Now notice what, look at this, I love this. It doesn't say anyone who is angry with the guy who cut you off on the road. He doesn't say anyone who is angry with the checkout gal at Walmart. Jesus brings it a little bit closer to home. He says, anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister, this gets involved with family. This is getting right to where, where the rubber meets the road. These are the people that we spend the most time with. And Jesus says, if you're angry with them, he says, you're in danger. So for me, as a Christ follower, to be having relationships with people and then they may say something to me that just kind of, you know, gets under my skin or they may do something. And I in turn, turn that and harbor anger in my heart towards that person. Jesus says, I'm in danger. So it's important for us to understand that. When we deal with people one-on-one -on -one basis, then we're not being angry towards them. Instead, we should be offering forgiveness towards that person, offering grace towards that person, offering mercy towards that person. You say, you don't know what they did to me. Watch out. Be careful. Don't fall into the trap of anger because anger is that root that leads to murder. This is at the very heart issue of what Christ is trying to get us to understand. So there's a danger in anger. So let's give these phrases here, okay? Now look what he says. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, and then he says, anyone who says, you fool. Let's give those phrases some meaning for us today. Jesus says here, if you're angry with your brother and sister, you'll be subject to judgment. Now what does he say? He says, look at this. He says, basically, anybody who says raka, what is that? It's an Aramaic phrase meaning good for nothing. This phrase carries a very intense hatred towards someone. It is the equivalent as spitting in someone's face. That's disgusting. If you have so much disgust and hatred towards somebody, even though you may not say raka, you are in danger because you have that heart attitude towards that person that you just wish you could just spit right in their face because you have so much hatred towards them. This is serious stuff that Jesus is dealing with. So he says, if anyone who says raka, 
This phrase was used when you wanted to attack someone's character and self-worth as a person. Just think of some things maybe you have said in the past that you were attacking someone's self-worth or character. That guy is such a moron. What an idiot. Raka. You're attacking their character. You're attacking their self-worth as a person. Look at the second phrase that the Lord says here. He says, you fool. The meaning behind this phrase is the word moron. Moranos is the Greek word. This was an attack on a person's moral character. You were calling someone a stupid liar, a stupid cheater, or a stupid infidel. Name calling is a result of our anger. Words that fly out of our mouths at the moment because we're caught up in the moment. We say things that we should not say and we're in danger of anger. Jesus' meaning of the commandment, the full picture he's trying to get across to us is even though you may have not taken out a weapon and shot somebody, stabbed somebody, sliced their throat, he says, basically, you have committed murder already upon their character. So there is a danger of anger. Let's look at a second thing here. We need to pursue reconciliation in our relationships. So if you are a person that struggles with anger, which all of us in here, we all struggle with some sin or another, but it is up to us to make sure that we take control of that. So if you struggle with anger, I would encourage you to go through God's word, find verses that deal with anger, memorize those verses, meditate on those verses. You know, uh, how many of you remember watching uh, McHale's Navy? Remember that one? With uh, the... Uh, uh, the I uh, can't remember the guy's name now, but he goes, I can just scream, right? Some of you are like, what? What was that? <laughs> Tim Conway, yeah, okay. So, um, but if you, ha if you struggle with anger, I encourage you, go to God, tell him exactly what your problem is. Say, God, I am dealing with this, and I have a hard time with this. God, I need your help. Get some verses. Start memorizing those verses. When there's a temptation to just fly off the handle, you need to step back. Take a look. Say, man, am I in danger of saying something that's going to cause murder? Need to reevaluate a lot of those things. But we, as individuals, should be pursuing reconciliation in our relationships. Remember, Jesus says, your brother or your sister. We're dealing with our family here. We're dealing with people who we have interaction with on a constant basis. We should pursue reconciliation. Notice what he says here. If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now, Jesus wasn't speaking about an altar like this, okay? He was talking about in the temple. If you were going to go to the temple and you were going to go worship, he says, if you're going to go and you have your, your, your goat or your bull or your lamb or your turtle dove, whatever you got, 
and you're going to go to the altar to worship, and you know that, uh, you know, Bible Bob over there or uh, Gospel Gary has something against you, and you know there's some problems there, I mean, he's got a legitimate beef against you, you don't just go on your way into the temple and say, that's no big deal, I'm going to go worship God, no problem. He says, in fact, he says, it's better for you not to even go into the house of worship, get that squared away, and then come back and speak to God and have worship with God. That's pretty interesting. In the days of Malachi, in the Old Testament, Malachi's uh, time there when he was speaking to the children of, of Israel, the children of Israel were going into the temple and they were worshiping God, they were singing praises, they were sacrificing and stuff, and God basically says, I am so sick of this. I am sick of your sacrifices. I'm sick of your music that you're offering up to me. I just want to take my fingers and stick them in my ears because I'm just so sick of it. Why? Because their heart attitude towards worship was wrong. They had, they had done horrible things with those around them. They, they had horrible relationships with people. And God says, you're not worshiping me in the right way. So we need to pursue reconciliation. So let's bring this here right now, okay? If you have an anger problem with somebody in here, okay? God says it's important for you to reconcile that relationship first before you even worship. Because our relationships with others is a reflection of our relationship with God. And so if these relationships aren't right, then this relationship cannot be right. So it's so important to pursue reconciliation so if you're offering your gift, if you're coming to God, say, oh God, I want to serve you with my life. And you offended somebody, good luck with that one. You need to make things right before you go and worship with the Lord. So be reconciled to them. Go in there and make sure that you reconcile your relationship with them. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, gives us an understanding of what reconciliation is. You're supposed to go to the person, you're supposed to go to them privately. You're supposed to tell them, say, look, you've offended me, or you know, you've done this to me. There's a legitimate beef. You speak to that person, and you try to work it out. Reconciliation is needful, because it strengthens relationships with us, with other people. So that's important to do. So pursue reconciliation in your relationships. Notice again also, in pursuing re reconciliation relationships, notice what Jesus says. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together. I love this scene here, okay? Watch this. Jonas, come here, let me borrow you, all right? Jeffrey, let me borrow you too, okay? <clears throat> Here's Jonas and Jeffrey. They're brothers, Okay, um, who wants to have the beef? Okay, you got the beef. You got the beef against Jeffrey. What did he do to you? He hit you. Jeffrey, unbelievable. <laughs> so 
he's got a legitimate beef against Jeffrey here. Now Jonah says, you know what? I'm taking this guy to court. How dare he do that to me? So while they're on their way to court, Jesus says, you better settle this and settle it quickly while you're on your way to court. I mean, Judge Judy's in the courtroom and she's not going to take any lip. I love Judge Judy. Don't you? She just gets right with the program. So he says, do it while you're still together. So as they're walking together and they're having a beef, Jeffrey needs to say, look, I, I did mess up, man. I am sorry. You know what keeps us from saying we're sorry and from reconciling with people? Pride. And so Jeffrey needs to humble himself and say, man, I did mess up. I am sorry. I am really sorry for what I did. Because if you get into that courtroom, guess what? It's out of the hands here because now the judge is going to make the ruling. Let's apply that spiritually. Settle the matters quickly because there's going to come a time when you are going to stand before the judge. And it's out of your hands. The judge is going to make the ruling and what he says will go. It's no, oh, but, 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 but. no. Settle matters quickly. Thanks, guys. So he says, do it while you are still together. And notice this. He says, on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you over to the officer. And then you may be thrown into prison. I want you to think about that. Prison is a real long time. Now, we may not get thrown into prison because we're angry at somebody here. But you know, the idea is carried through is don't put it off. Don't wait until tomorrow to get it settled. Don't wait until next week, next year. Don't wait until the kingdom comes. Do it quickly. Do it now. Get these matters settled quickly. And notice what he says. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You know, people that are in prison, they can't work, they can't pay their bills. I knew a guy that went to prison. When he got out, he did not have a home because he lost his home because he couldn't pay the bills for his home. He lost his car because he couldn't pay for his car, couldn't pay for the bills for his car. He lost his driver's license because he couldn't pay the bill to have his driver's license renewed. Jesus says here, look, if you are living in a life of anger, he says, you're going to constantly not be able to get out of that unless you're willing to reconcile with somebody that you have an anger problem with. The book of Hebrews says it this way. Listen to what Hebrews says here in chapter 12, verse number 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, will you please search my heart? God, if I have anger, 
towards somebody, God, I pray that I will release that, that I will, I will seek restitution, that I'll seek um, forgiveness if I've wronged somebody. Lord, may you bring that to my mind and, and help me to seek out reconciliation. God, I pray that if there are some individuals in here today that may have anger towards another individual, another brother or sister in Christ, maybe another family member, God, that they will seek out the time to reconcile that relationship. Lord, not because we're trying to prove who is right and who is wrong, but God, because we want to live in harmony with one another. We want to be a display of your grace to the world in which we live. Thank you so much for having patience in our lives and, and thank you for forgiving us when we didn't even deserve it. And help us to exercise forgiveness and grace towards those that we may look at and say they don't deserve it. Please guard our mouths. That we might not say raka or say you fool. Help us to be a constant reminder that there is a danger in what we say and how we can hurt people. Thank you so much for your love towards us. We ask all this in Christ's name. 